My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And with A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The two disciples recounted what had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance For the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. It's hard to remember a time when we've seen calls for boycotts over a wide range of issues and controversies and debates on almost a weekly or even daily basis. You'll hear about how this company's boycotting a state or how in turn they're being boycotted for their stances and positions. Advertisers announce they're boycotting a network or a program over something controversial. In the news the last few weeks, there's been calls for the United States to boycott the 2022 Beijing Olympics over human rights violations done by the Chinese Communist Party to to Muslims and Christians, to pro-democracy activists in Hong Kong and Taiwan, going so far as to point into concentration camps that exist and claims of genocide being done there this very day by that regime. Boycotts are even happening on a more localized level. A friend tells me that they've joined a group, and as part of it, they've completely deactivated their Facebook, their Twitter, their Instagram, just out of concerns of privacy and data being shared or manipulated. Another one tells me not to purchase products from Amazon, where he works, to support their calls for unionization and better work conditions. As I was thinking about all this and just doing a little bit of research, I was surprised to learn that this word boycott was actually a person before it ever became a verb. In this true story that comes from Ireland, in the late 19th century, a retired army captain, Charles Cunningham Boycott, namesake of all boycotts, became this, this land agent in Ireland. And the short form of the story 
boycott was told to raise the rent on all the tenants who, in response to this startling and impossible turn of events, refused to work, which started a whole domino effect where the mailman stopped bringing him his mail. Businesses in the area wouldn't accept his money. He couldn't continue business with such conditions and was finally forced to leave Ireland. Peasants saw the, the power of boycotts and began calling for them all over the country. While some of these calls today might seem controversial or ridiculous to someone else, while some of these protests are more effective and successful in affecting change than others, there is something impressive about the resolve and the commitment on the part of those who do participate. I might disagree with that relative who refuses to eat any meat products because she believes it's unethical. Well, I not might. I do disagree. I do eat meat. But I respect her opinion and her passion towards something that's become an important issue to her. I'll even be willing to, to listen to her reasoning, consider her arguments, and give some thought to some of her concerns because of my love for her as a relative and just my admiration for her example and her commitment. The question that I've been kind of wrestling with this week is, would anyone be able to say the same about us and what we say here is the most important thing in the history of the world, in the history of our own lives? That Jesus Christ, who was unjustly arrested, maligned by his own people, tortured and executed by the Romans, is risen from the dead. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ is of such importance, it has implications that are meant to affect every soul throughout history. Because very pointedly, this third Sunday of Easter, the gospel ends with Jesus saying to the people who've gathered in that upper room, you are witnesses to these things. For those first followers of Jesus, they were listening to another account of Jesus' resurrection after he had appeared to his disciples on the road to Emmaus and was made known to them in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the Eucharist. And St. Luke sets the scene that just as they're recounting the story to the others, Jesus appears before them, shocking, exciting, stirring up a whole bit of emotions as one would imagine they would experience. And as he sits with them, as he eats with them, as he talks with them, as the truth of Jesus being risen from the dead sinks in, Jesus tells them that all that he had taught them, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that the calls for repentance coupled with the assurance of the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name to not forget that all that was true too. In fact, that's the more urgent message for the world. His followers aren't to sit in comfort and joy of that upper room, simply basking and being on the right side of history. They were to go preach this news. They were to be witnesses of these things. Meaning it wasn't just about sharing a report or passing on stories, or recounting their experiences. How was the truth of the gospel, how was the way of being a Christian, how was the life that comes from following Jesus, the newness of life here and now as a 
a foretaste of the eternal life to come? How is that being proclaimed by the very lives of Jesus' followers? We know from history that in the immediate aftermath of Easter and Jesus' ascension and Pentecost, that the world would be rattled by the Easter news and by the witnesses of the entire church. Certainly it was the apostles preaching and baptizing people. But that would only go so far. When people saw regular Christians, nameless to us brothers and sisters of ours, who who sold all their property and belongings to, to live in community for this mission, when people saw that the poor and the sick were no longer dismissed as somehow deserving of their troubles, but were now being loved and cared for and provided for, when people saw countless numbers suffering the same fate that Jesus did, suffering torture and death simply for uttering his name, but doing so courageously because they knew that the the promise of eternal life was far greater than capitulating and denying or renouncing their beliefs. Those witnesses were an accelerant for God's word to reach the very ends of the earth. For us here as as Catholics in the United States in, in 2021, in a lot of ways, we've gotten way too complacent and comfortable, both church leadership and membership. For example, when I, I look at our, our massive, beautiful cathedral basilica in Newark and realize how that was funded by poor immigrants who would become citizens during one of the most trying times in American history, during two world wars and the Great Depression, it makes that place even more amazing and more beautiful. That was one of their most enduring witnesses, a gift to generations to come, demonstrating their faith in a concrete way. And then when you just consider the the number of schools and parishes and hospitals just in our local church, it's breathtaking to consider. We could see this whole massive effort of the church, again, mostly funded by poor people, who gave what little they had to ensure that people of all ages were educated, that the poor were clothed and fed, that the sick were cared for, and a whole host of societal evils and ills were addressed and fought. It's a sad assessment that many of these institutions are are running on fumes of previous generations. And there's a whole lot of finger pointing as to why. And it's not to get into the church scandals once again or upon about wrong-headed moves and decisions again, <laughs> nor is it to pass blame on to anyone else. It's something I think each of us has to ask ourselves, how are we witnesses to the risen Christ? How are our lives changed by being his? Is it something that affects our lives that when we walk out of the doors of this place? Or are we just comfortable for the time we're here, thinking that simply because we're here, God should be happy? I'll share one personal story. Somewhere along the line a few months ago, I can't remember if it was a podcast or an article or something that was talking about all these boycotts and stuff. And the thought of how serious am I about what I believe and how I live my life? At first, that made me end some subscriptions to some streaming and entertainment services like Netflix 
and SiriusXM that aren't necessarily evil, but there were things that I found personally offensive about them. And I said to myself, well, do I really? <laughs> if I do, why do I watch these things? Why do I listen? Why do I support them every month financially? And then that triggered a thought about my savings, my retirement plans. My parents and my grandparents had impressed on my brothers and I the importance of, of saving, having a financial planner like from a very young age. So right after my ordination, I had met with a financial planner, taken some gifts that my family and friends had given me, and just started saving monthly from my, my salary just to have something at some point to take care of my family or take care of myself in old age, hopefully, or to leave something to, to people after I've died. So anyway, I have mutual funds, stocks, bonds. Honestly, I don't even know the difference between all of them. I, that's why I have a guy. Anyway, in any event, the thought, what are all these companies and these institutions and these funds, what are they about? What do they do? What do they support? What do they stand for? Started to, to gnaw at me. And so I, I had a Catholic financial planner just take a look at everything and make an evaluation. And I was shocked to discover everything that was on there. There were companies that were supporting abortion and aborted patients. There were companies involved in contraceptives and cloning, embryonic stem cell research, weapons of mass destruction, supporting different countries and governments that are tyrannical regimes. I was sick. I was furious. I was embarrassed. And when I asked, how the heck did this happen? <laughs> the answer I got from my financial planner was basically, well, that's just the way of the world. Everything is so intertwined, it's impossible to avoid it. I should say former financial planner. <laughs> it isn't impossible it's definitely taking a lot of time, seven, eight weeks on at this point, and a lot more energy and effort than I imagined. It's probably not going to be as financially beneficial as the other things were. But in my heart of hearts, once the reality registered, once it hit me, I kept thinking, how, how could I ever preach knowing how in some way I was compromising on our church teachings or cooperating even in a somewhat removed way with moral evils? That's just one personal example. The point is, as we look around the world and we see people who are very activist-minded in both positive and negative lights, that should kind of challenge us to ask us, how serious do we take our faith in the risen Christ? How does that affect everything that we say and do? How does that make our faith more genuine and sincere? Not just for our own personal integrity, in our own pursuits of holiness, but to be effective witnesses to our families, to our friends, and to the world around us of the difference and the importance that Jesus makes. Pope Benedict XVI once said, the gospel is not merely a communication of things that can be known. It is one that makes things happen and is life-changing. The dark door of time, of the future, has been thrown open. The one who has hope lives differently. The one who hopes has been granted the gift of new life. May we who have received that hope live as if we truly do possess it and share it in all that we say and do.